You are listening to Real Relationship Talk, a podcast helping married and pre-married couples build lasting love from above. Got problems? Let's solve them. Because real trials need real truth. Now it's time to get in the game with your relationship coach and host, Dana Shea. Hey, hey, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. This is Dana Shea, and we are here with one of my favorite guests. I guess you should be my favorite guest. Yeah, I should be your favorite guest. <laughs> one of my favorite guests, my husband, Sean. And uh, thank you for clicking on this episode. Can I be honest with you guys? It was a little bit tricky on what to title this new series that we're in because I wanted to do a series. I was telling you, Sean, I wanted to do a series on love stories where you could basically hear from couples that talk about how they came together, what their love story is, what they're learning about themselves through their partners, through their marriages. And then I thought, well, we are in the month of February and I am all about our heritage as Black people and, um, you know, the importance of just owning who we are and uh, celebrating who we are. And so I thought, man, maybe I should do something on Black History Month. And then I thought, voila, why don't I marry the two and talk about Black love? And one of my good friends, Courtney, she says something all the time that she's like, Black love is revolutionary. And this is not to the exclusion of those of you who are watching this podcast episode today who are non-Black. Maybe you're white or you're Hispanic or you're Asian or uh, you don't consider yourself to be um, someone who's Black. But I still believe and know that you are going to learn a lot from the episodes that we're going to have over the next several weeks as we talk about Black love. So I thought, who better to launch this than my Black husband? (laughs) Me and Sean talking a little bit about our love story. So some of you guys, maybe you're newer to the podcast and you haven't ever really heard Sean's and my story. Uh, Maybe you've heard little bits and pieces, but I have no idea where this conversation is going to go today. But I just want to take some time and, and talk a little bit about our story. So let me just let you know from the go that Sean is actually sick. He's been fighting. I don't know respiratory up respiratory infection okay so if you hear his voice you know i'm not squeezing his neck um (laughs) i'm not you know causing him any harm so if you hear his voice kind of going in and out it's just he's a little hoarse um but i do appreciate you doing this because you know this isn't necessarily the best of times for you being sick and everything but thank you for being here i appreciate it you're welcome Do you ever wonder what is the secret to a truly happy marriage? Maybe you find yourself looking at other couples wondering, what do they know that I don't? Well, friend, I have developed a free resource for you. It's a free audio called Seven Secrets to a Happy Marriage. These are some principles that I've learned in my own 23-year marriage that I know it's going to encourage you on your journey to having a truly happy and healthy marriage. Download your free resource today at realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash seven secrets. That's realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash seven secrets. Now let's get to our show. So let's talk a little bit about our story. How did we meet? How did we start dating? Let's talk from the beginning. You don't tell you you tell your version because you don't like my version because you try and deny it all the time. Yeah, your version is a little bit embellished. So for those of y'all don't know, Sean and I actually have known each other since we were kids. I was five, around five, I guess, and he was eight. Our families went to the same church, and um, 
we actually were not like romantically interested in each other, you know, when you're five and eight years old. As a matter of fact, I have a sister who's three years older than me. And so she and Sean are the same age. So Sean was just like my sister's friend. So that's kind of how I knew you as Mm -hmm. my sister's friend. And then fast forward a few years, we find ourselves at the same high school. It's a really small Christian school in our area here in so Virginia Beach. So you just skipped the part where I came over and you kissed me and ran away. This is the part that is embellished. Okay, you, you, you always you just going to skip that. Part. I have no recollection of that, mm-hmm. none. Mm-hmm. But you go ahead and tell it, since it is it is a critical memory to you. That's very critical. That's what sparked the relationship. Oh, that's so, what sparked yes. the relationship. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, why don't you tell the people what I supposedly did when I was five years old? You know what you did. I came over and you came to the door. You said, I got something to tell you. So, okay. And then you kissed me on the cheek and you ran away. This is so funny, yeah. y'all. We have been talking about this little memory for 25, almost 30 years yeah. because I literally do not <clears throat> remember this. But... I'm definitely an assertive go-getter kind of a person. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe I did. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So let's just go with your version. I kiss you on the cheek. Okay. 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 So then your family leaves the church that we were at. Mm -hmm. And so we really didn't see much of each other for a long time. A couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. And so we got into high school. So you're much older than I am. Um, oh, it's much now. <laughs> yes, you're much Boy. older than me, um, and so I was. It doesn't sound good. Like much older when we started dating. Wow. Well, okay. <laughs> Real talk. I was 14 years old, and you were 17 years old. Okay, so I was under the legal age. You were a teenager. I was a teenager, so it was okay. Yeah, technically, and I don't know if this is going to incriminate you, you were under the legal age by 30 days. We started mm-hmm. dating in December of 1995, mm-hmm. and you turned 18 well, in January of consent. 1996. Had consent. Okay, all right. So we start dating. I was a sophomore. Sean was a senior. So that's not too bad, right? When you think of, okay, like one person's in 10th grade. You be, that's why I can tell you my story is my version is bright and yours isn't. I was a junior. No, Sean. We're two mm. grades apart. So I was a sophomore and you were a senior. You came to our school when you were a junior, but we weren't liking each other yet. Somewhat. But that's when I knew I was going to um get you then. It's like, yeah. I married her one day. That was a dream. When I came back, I saw you at first. Well, I didn't get that memo. So I'm just living my little freshman life. As you were a junior, I had you no did. idea that any of this was happening. Oh, boy. Here I we didn't. go. Again. I didn't. So, all right. So actually, Sean was liking somebody else. As you were, too. Okay. Yes, I was liking somebody else. I was trying to put it on me. And so we decided I was going to hook you up with my friend and you were supposed to hook me up with your friend, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And obviously that didn't work out for either of us. So we started dating. All right. So I'm a sophomore. You're a senior. We're dating. And my mom was livid because I was so young and you were so much older than <laughs> me. And she was like, no, this is not happening, Dana. You're too young. You don't know what you're doing. Blah, 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 blah. So we get through the whole parent trap situation. Mm. We have our little secret relationship. I don't advise this. If there are any young people listening to this episode, (laughs) don't advise that you go against your parents. But that is indeed what we did. We went against our parents a little bit and we started dating. So then what happened? 
Where we at? Mm-hmm. Where's the story? I mean, we're, like, we're, I'm in 10th grade. You're in 12th grade. Oh, we started dating. I mean, we just high school love. All the all the silliness that goes with that, you know, sports, traveling, um, the challenges of dating where because I was older and you were younger, you had the curfew. Couldn't really um, hang out much. I mean, we had to find creative ways to hang out. So, um, what what else? You don't want to go all into the details. I mean, this is called real relationship I mean, <laughs> talk. So, I mean, we don't really, you know, we don't really hide things. I mean, from we it. had to hang out at the games, after games. Um, had to go to the gauntlet of getting your mom to let you out. Go over there and sit there and... She was thinking I was on stuff because my eyes used to always be red or so. And so my mom thought he was on drugs because he would have red eyes all the time or drinking. And he just had allergies. And so he would always be like, I'm not drinking. I'm not lying. I'm not on drugs. I just have allergies. But my mom, bless her heart. So, all right. So then let's talk about kind of the first real real situation that we experienced together was at your senior prom. You had been drinking, and I was your date, so we went mm-hmm. to the prom together. I went off with one of my good friends, and in a drunken rage, what happens? I went following you, trying to chase you down, and I had a, a very bad car accident, totaled a car. And so I was really lucky to be alive, so. So I don't talk about this a whole lot. Maybe some of you have never heard this story, but that was probably the lowest point in my whole teenage life because um, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know if you were dead or alive at that point. My friend and I pull up to the scene of the accident and the car that you hit was so, it was just completely mangled. You could barely tell it was a car. And the car that you were driving was totaled, airbags were out, windows broken. I mean, it was, it was a scene. It mm-hmm. was a scene. And um, I just hopped out of the the car that my friend and I were in bare feet. I have on a gown, like an evening gown, because it was a prom. And I'm running through the street trying to find where you are. And um, yeah, that was a night. So we go back to school. You go to jail. Mm-hmm. And your parents had to come bail you out yeah what else do you want to say about that night it was crazy a lot of, you know i don't remember well i remember much but not much you know um crawling crawling out of the window and walking down the street and don't remember all the people there or any of that stuff i do remember being in jail you know i do remember seeing my parents and just breaking down mm-hmm. when they got me out then um not knowing what was happening, they just told me that um couldn't go to school anymore and got put out and then lost my full ride football scholarship. All that stuff just started happening. And it really seemed like my world was just kinda ending, you know. Um of course our parents wouldn't let us communicate anymore. Um, yeah, we couldn't talk anymore. So I mean we found a way to talk, but it was pretty much over and it just seemed like everything was done for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, wow, I haven't talked about this in a long time. Man, you know, um, I think as parents now, like we've seen our kids make some really bad decisions and do some things that we are not necessarily proud of. But 
um, as parents, you love your kids through it. And Mm -hmm. I think like my mom loved me through it. Your parents loved you through it, Mm -hmm. but it was a, it was a life-changing event. Like you said, I mean, you were on your way to play football, um, a scholarship, um, all of that changed, you know, like that was just ripped away. You got expelled from school. Um, I went back to this really small little Christian school that we were in and I felt I was so ashamed and I was embarrassed and I had to field all these questions by all these people about what happened and all the rumors that were flying and all of that. It was a really, really tough time. And actually that was, I actually went to counseling. I think I told you that where I had to start going to counseling just to kind of process through all of the things that were happening um, at that stage in my life. And of course, my mother at that time was like, absolutely not. You are not talking to him anymore. This is relationship is done. And so we kind of still snuck mm-hmm. and communicated. We didn't see each other, mm-hmm. but we still like talked on the phone and things like that. Um, and then you went away. You went away to boot camp because at that point, your parents were like, go into the military. Well, it wasn't like going to the military, but it was like, because I went through a depression time mm-hmm. and it was like, you got to do something. Because I was able to graduate in summer school. That was, you know, started to see a little bit up, but it was still depression. So stuff so I was like, you know, you need to do something. The military was a good option for you. I had to look at the Air Force Reserves. You know, of course, I don't want to do it, but after looking at it, it's like, all right, let's try it. Mm-hmm. And it was actually one of the best decisions that was ever made because it helped me to become a, a man, you know, learn, learn about life, learn about the military, learn, you know, have um, a respect for your country. And <clears throat> again, it's kind of shaped for who I am today. Yeah. And then, you know, went away for a while and we communicated um, that was a whole never challenge in itself, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you already know where this is going. To my credit, I'm not the best long distance person. So, like, I love my friends, but y'all, if my friends move away, it is a wrap. Like, I, I do it not, I do not do good with long distance relationships. So, Sean would write me all the time. This is way back. I mean, this was, I don't even think we had email yet. This was like no email for sure, no text messaging. None of that existed yet. So the only way to really communicate scarred writing stuff now. Mm, Don't Mm. try to put that on me. Mm. Don't try to put that on me. So Sean would write me all these letters, y'all. And I would get almost like a letter every day. And I, to my credit, Mm -hmm. would write you back. Mm -hmm. But then I just put them in like a envelope and just never mailed them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, everybody's getting letters and boot camp, and I'm just sitting there just waiting, waiting for Dana to send me a letter. Never got one. My bad. I've I've apologized for this through the years, but I could tell this is still a tender spot for you. Um, so then you come back. All right, let's let's speed the story up, up a little bit. So you get back, and we. I was in the mall with my mom, my sister, and some friends of ours, and we randomly run into you in the mall. Mm-hmm. And there was like this little thing because we hadn't communicated like in like person or phone or any of that stuff for several months at this point. Mm-hmm. And so when you got back from boot camp, um, I was now a junior, you know, I was kind of living my life and doing my thing. And my mom says, she, my mom went up and talked to you, mm-hmm. actually. And so um, I didn't go even go over and like say hi to you or anything. I was just kind of like hanging well, in the back. You're in a relationship. I was in another relationship. Yeah. Oh, my God. You why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, so my mom comes over to me and she's like, guess what? Sean's getting married. And I was like, 
oh no, he's not. <laughs> he is not. But you know what? I don't know if I ever told you this. I knew that that wasn't true. Like there was a part of me that I was like, I don't believe that. I think Sean just told my mom that just because. So you literally made hey, up the story to tell my mother. Got to get back in the door somehow. <laughs> Deception and lies, my friends. Deception yeah. and lies. So Sean tells my mom he's getting married. I'm like, uh, okay, part of me doesn't believe the story. But then a part of me is like, hmm, let me figure this out. So we start talking again. Mm-hmm. And I was in a relationship at the time. And that relationship, I mean, I'm like in 11th grade. Okay, so these aren't like serious relationships. But I'm in this relationship and I'm like, okay, you know what? I love Sean. So let's get back together. So we get back together my junior year in high school mm-hmm. and we pretty much stay together ever yeah. since. Mm-hmm. All right. So now I'm a senior. We graduate or you had already graduated. I'm graduating from high school. I go off to college and Sean is like, I'm coming too. I'm coming too. Yeah. Okay. So I go away to school, y'all, like a whole nother state. And so Sean's like, I'm coming to school with you. So he comes to school with me. This is not advisable, friends. Let me just I say. Won't let you get away. This you went to a little visit. Advisable. Yeah. So I go away to this school. I start talking about this guy, right? Sean's like, okay, no, 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 no. You are not going to be with this dude. I'm coming to school with you. So my mom was like, when did Sean decide to come to this school? I didn't know he was coming to school with you. So. About a month after school started, mm-hmm. we find out, oh, snap, <laughs> we've got a little offspring on the way. Yep. 17 years old, and I'm pregnant, you guys. I was also on a full scholarship at the time, and here we go again. I realized there's no possible way I could stay at the school because I can't raise a baby in a dorm room. I also am 17, so I can't even go get my own apartment and try to raise a child and go to school. So lose my scholarship, drop out of school, move back home. So here we are. Now I am fast forwarding a little bit. We get (laughs) married or we actually we have our baby. So we have Chris. Uh, Chris was born in May of 1999. I'm still 17, y'all. I'm not even 18 yet. And Sean proposes earlier. Mm -hmm. We get married a month after my 18th birthday. So we have a six-week-old son. I'm 18. Sean's 21. We're married. Yep. Not advisable, friends. Mm-hmm. So, Sean, what what were some of the issues that we were facing when we got married? Like, what would you say, when we first got married, what state were we in? State. Like, what state of mind? Like, what was our relationship like? Our relationship, I mean, we were young. That sounds crazy, but young, dumb, and love, but, you know, and we just didn't know all the responsibilities that we were facing, all the challenges, and then once we, like I said, found out that Chris was coming, it was like, oh, crap, because the way we were raised back then, it was either you get married or you can't see her anymore, mm-hmm. so it's like one or two options, Right. so it's like, well... I'm that's not gonna happen. I am gonna see her and then I didn't believe in, you know, in a um aborting a baby, so it was like we're gonna have the baby and I'm gonna see her, so we're gonna get married. Yeah. Didn't know anything about marriage. You know, you see it all the time, you see the the Cosby show, you see your parents, yeah, but you don't know your responsibilities that come with it. Mm-hmm. You don't know that you're supposed to be a provider, provide a house, you know car pay bills and all this stuff so all that just hit us all at one time and we basically had to learn how to navigate through it how to grow up well most people grew up over years we grew up in 
a year or less. Yeah, I think I want to pause and kind of go back into the whole abortion thing because my mom was actually a guest on the podcast earlier in when I first kind of started Real Relationship Talk, and I'll link to that episode in the show notes, but I talk about my whole teenage pregnancy and abortion was on the table, even though we were both um, against it. There was a certain level when you're that young and you don't have any money and you're afraid and there's all these pressures where we were like, maybe we can just kind of get this thing over with. So I know that there are many of you who are listening to this right now and maybe you have had abortions or maybe you have been tempted to. So um, I just wanted to throw that out there because we know what that is like. We know the, the fear and just the trauma that comes with having to make a decision like that. So I think during that time in our marriage, there were just a lot of pressures. You know, we were young, we were young parents um, so first of all, we were just young and dumb, like you said. Mm-hmm. Second of all, we were young parents. We had a brand new baby. We were newlyweds. We had like no money. We were now both working full time and going to school full time. It was just a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think that even though we had like some regular kind of normal, like newlywed issues, I think all of those pressures compounded, mm-hmm. really set the scene for what would unfortunately be kind of this really vicious, ugly cycle of infidelity in our marriage. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, like, you know, we talk about infidelity a lot on this podcast. It's not something that we're ashamed to talk about. I mean, it is a part of our story. Um, God has totally done a redemption work in us Mm -hmm. and in our relationship and our marriage. And if you guys have not already heard that story, I talk about that a lot on the show, but we really get into it in episode three, um, where it's, um, the episode, that episode title is called Rebuilding Trust, Rebuilding Us. So if you've not heard about our story of overcoming infidelity, please uh, go ahead and listen to episode three when you're done listening to this podcast. And of course, I will also link that in the show notes. But is there anything that you wanted to say about kind of those early years um, of our marriage? I mean, it was tough. It was really tough. And by God's grace, we overcame it and we are where we are today. But it was learning experiences for us and we are able to help others because of what we went through you know we it didn't take us out it didn't defeat us Mm -hmm. which is great and again by us going through it we are able to impart wisdom and knowledge to younger couples who are facing the same challenges that we face right i will say going through that though i learned a lot about myself not all good things (laughs) you know sometimes we're like oh i learned that i'm strong and resilient i learned that i was full of anger and rage that i have a violent streak i learned that stop we don't i don't need your commentary okay (laughs) he told me we were shaking his head for those Uh, of y'all who are not watching this on youtube so i learned like i had some ugly parts of myself that i did not know were in there and all of that was kind of brought to light through that's what your partner's supposed to do bring out the not that way you could have done it in another way okay Um, But I did not know that about myself. But I also did learn that I was stronger Mm -hmm. than I knew. I realized that I was really committed to this marriage, whereas I could have just walked away. Mm -hmm. You know, you could have walked away because if you guys don't know, we both um, were unfaithful in our marriage. So it wasn't just like Sean was doing whatever. He did a lot more than me. I just want to state that that for the record. Yes, Mm -hmm. it needs to be said that you were like all the way into your thing. And I was not but in any case um you're speeding and if i'm going 100 and you're going 58 are you still speeding yes i I am all right all right whatever but you would get reckless and i would just get you know going 10 miles over Mm. so (laughs) anyway 
<laughs> we were both unfaithful. Let's just put it that way. And I think what I did learn, though, is that I was committed. I was stronger than I realized. I was resilient. But I had some ugly junk in me that I needed to get out. And, you know, where was God in all of this? If you guys have been listening to this podcast, y'all know that I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor. I love the Lord. But our relationship with God back then, neither of us really had a strong relationship with him at that point. You know, we would both say we were Christians, mm -hmm. but he wasn't like a everyday constant in our marriage. And I think that that did um, obviously caused a lot more problems than needed because we didn't have like an anchor. We didn't have a guide. We didn't have like a North Star. We were just both doing what we felt was right at mm -hmm. that point. Yeah. So. All right. So now what? What else? We're married. We're young. We're going through infidelity. We're not friends. Like we're losing our friendship. Mm -hmm. um, we're basically in full out parent mode. That's all that we were doing was just trying to survive from one day to the next, going through significant financial problems. Um, it was not a good time, y'all. It was just not a good time. Um, was there anything redeemable? Like, can you think of a word? There anything? Were there what, what? What good came out of that whole season that we were in? What good came out of it? Yeah. I mean, look where we are now. What do you mean what good came I'm out of it? I'm like, saying, like, when we were there, like, can you go back and be like, okay, when we were 23, you know, this this one good thing was at least this good thing was happening. I mean, one, it was always a determination to, I don't know, I mean, work and build for the family. You know, like, if anything, we learn how to be good parents. Um we, for me, you know, it was like a determination where I might not be a good husband, be a good father, I mean, be a good provider. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I'm going to do whatever I can to provide for this family. And whatever it caused me to work, one job, four jobs, five jobs, but I'm never going to let us go without. Mm -hmm. So that's what it did for me. I mean, because, you know, I had to find something I was halfway decent at. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had to learn about myself and also learn how to how to grow up again. You know, it grew up real quick. Um, it was not really positive examples. So it's kind of learning how to navigate, how to be a good father, a good provider, you know, out of all of, all of that, I think. Yeah, I guess, you know, for me, the biggest thing that I experience was my return to Christ, you know, because I was so far from God. I was going through so much, I mean, depression. I, I didn't know that's what it was back then, but just going through so much, you know, just dealing with this marriage and it drove me back to the Lord. Like it, it brought me back to a place of God, I need you. Like, you're not just the God of the Bible. You're not just a religion. You're not just, a, you know, the God of the universe that I kind of throw prayers up to, but like he became my, my source, my everything, my best friend, my confidant, my comforter, all of the things. And so I think that if there was anything redeemable from that season, it was that I found my relationship with God again. That's true. And I think, you know, we landed at some, we met, well, we landed at some good churches. I mean, and they've both been, made an impact in our lives, you know, helped us, I think helped build our relationship, helped us how to show grace. Mm -hmm. Grace. Right. You know, so. Yeah, because I didn't know anything about grace. <laughs> Nothing. I am justice oriented. 
Okay, so lots of people ask this question, like, what did you guys do? How did you overcome infidelity? And, you know, I've talked about this a lot. I'm actually developing a course about a fair recovery. I'm writing a book about it because this is our life. This is not something that I read in a book. This is not something that I heard somebody else say. Like, this is what we walked through many years of trying to reconcile and then falling off and then, you know, being in a cycle of infidelity and then forgiving. And it's just, it's an ugly season. I don't know how else to say it. Like it's, it's painful. It's, it's traumatizing. It makes you feel like, you know, there's no hope. I mean, it is a difficult, difficult season to walk through and through it all. It wasn't like we were just like, this is going to work out. (laughs) Like, I don't know how you felt, but like, I was on the brink of just like every day, today's going to be the day I'm going to leave. Today's going to be the day I'm going to kick him out today. Like it was, it was never like, I'm okay with what was going on. I was never okay with what was going on. Um, And so I think the turning point for us, you finally started getting some counseling, trying to figure out like, what is the root? And this is what I talk about a lot with my clients. Like, what is the root of your behavior? Because you can chase solutions all day long. But if you don't talk about the root that's feeding that tree, then it's always going to, you're going to stay in that cycle. And so I think you started going to counseling. You started dealing with your stuff. I started dealing with my stuff. I don't know who I was, you know, who I was. I had to learn who I was and not who people wanted me to be. And once I understood who I was, I could start making changes in my life. Mm-hmm. So. so, Sean, how would you encourage a couple who maybe they're right now going through infidelity or um, they are maybe not going through infidelity, but they're going through something else that's really, really hard in their marriage and they want to stay committed, but they're just losing hope. You know, I'm always a big advocate for not looking at the other person, but looking in the mirror and understanding who you are. Mm-hmm. And once you understand who you are and working yourself, then you can start working on other stuff. But until you can work on yourself and identify self-identify things, you're you're no good because you're always gonna. You can always point out somebody else's flaws to, to hide your flaws. Mm-hmm. So until you can have um, that revelation and confidence to look in there and point out your own flaws and work on those, that's. I mean, that's just my suggestion. Yeah, yeah, and I had to do a lot of self reflection because you're right. You know, I looked for years at all the things that you were doing to me and how unhappy I was because of what you were doing. And then I had this awakening one day, like, and it's going to sound weird, but like the awakening that I had was I was trying to get you to leave. I was like, you need to leave. You need to move out. And then I realized like, I can move out. I can leave. And it was, it was, it was like empowering that I realized that my, I didn't have to stay in this situation and my life be so incredibly unhappy because of what you were doing. Mm -hmm. I could make a change. And it was in that decision that things started turning around. Like I never physically left, but it was like, that was a wake up call maybe for you. And, and things started changing. And so I started seeing you change, but I was very distrustful of it. Cause I was like, whatever, I've been here, done that, got the t-shirt. You know, I've been through these little cycles of change, quote unquote change. But I started realizing that, oh, whoa, that's different. Hmm. I've never seen that before. Ooh, you know, and then especially, and I've talked about this before, when you started investing in your own health, when you started paying a marriage coach slash counselor out of your own pocket. Right. And this is why, y'all, if I can just be real, why does coaching cost? Because you have to have some skin in the game. Yeah. You have to be invested, not just mentally, but financially. And when I saw that as a wife, that you were willing to pay 
for help, I was like, all right, maybe I can trust him. Maybe I can start the journey toward trust. I'll put it that way. And then I want to say this though, you have to want to do it. Right. You can't want to do it for your spouse. You know, I'm going to do this just to make him or her happy. Mm -hmm. You have to want to do it for yourself for it to work. That's true, you know, and we've talked about that. I've ha- I have another episode on this podcast that talks about how to get your husband to go to marriage counseling because a lot of wives are like, well, how do I get my husband to go to coaching? How do I get him to get help? And you just hit it on the nail. Unless he, or maybe it's the wife, unless you yourself want help, you're not going to get help. Mm-hmm. You'll go through the motions, and you did for years. Mm-hmm. You would go through the motions, but because you weren't convinced that you needed help, nothing happened. Mm-hmm. So then we're on this pathway to recovery. It was work, you guys, so much work. Um, Trust is built by good behavior over time. Like that's literally the most foundational definition that I have for how to rebuild trust. It's just good behavior over time. And so we had to let time happen. Mm -hmm. We had to let good behavior happen. We had some setbacks. You know, there would be some things that I would see, not necessarily affairs, but just things that I would see that would trigger um, what I had been through. And so we, we worked at this, we worked at mm-hmm. this and, and now we are on the other side of it. Praise God. Mm-hmm. And I would honestly, like, I wouldn't wish that level of pain and work on anybody. Cause it was, it changed my life, changed it for the better. You know, here we are today with the yeah. thriving marriage coaching business and all that. But, um, but it was, it was rough. It was, it was, it was work. Mm-hmm. It was work. So I'm glad that's not where our story ended. Right. You know, because yeah. it could have been and in no shame. But there are many couples who that is where their story ended. That's not where our story ended. Right. And so here we are. We're celebrating four beautiful kids later, four beautiful children later, 24 years coming up in 24 years of marriage. Right. 24 years Have of marriage. almost. You. No, because I remember how long we've been married. I got the dates. All right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, God is good and we're still learning about each other every day. Like mm-hmm. I'm still learning about you. And I think that's the thing that I try to encourage couples stay curious. Yeah. Like when you feel like, you know, it all, you've got your spouse figured out. That's when marriage becomes boring. And that's when you start looking over the, over the fence. That's what's more interesting out there. Mm-hmm. But, um, but God did a mighty miraculous work and I would not be here today if he didn't intervene. So what's next for, what's next for us, mister, on this next season of our marriage? Next season? <laughs> Since I'm so much older than you. You are. You, you are know, pushing 50, my, my dear. Um, my working years are coming towards the end. Mm. So retirement life looks great while your driving business takes off. And this is just, <laughs> I'm loving it. I'm loving life right now. I mean, life is good. The kids are doing great things. Um, we're doing great things. So this is, this is, I mean, this is good. Yeah. I really think these are our restoration years and, you know, I wake up every day. So grateful, not that our marriage is perfect. No marriage is perfect. Your marriage is never going to be perfect, but I wake up every day. Just so grateful for what God has brought us through and what we're experiencing. Like we are literally in the overflow season right now. For those of y'all who are not Christians, you're like, what does that mean? (coughs) We are, we're thriving, you know? And that's why, um, I've rebranded my business thrive relationships because that's where we are in this season. And, um, and I'm just looking forward to many, many more years with you thriving and just, you know, sharing our story, helping other couples 
and encouraging other couples that as ugly as it gets, there is hope. If you're both willing to work it, this is why we end every podcast saying a good relationship isn't one that works. It's one where you put in the work because we put in the work. Put in the work. There's restoration and beauty out of it. That's right. Well, I can genuinely say that I love that man more today than I ever have. And maybe you've listened to this podcast episode today and you're like, but Dana, you just don't know my situation. You don't know. And you're right, friend. I don't know. I don't know what you're going through. But I do know this, that love, true love is always going to be tested. If you've been married or maybe you're in a romantic relationship and you guys have not really been through anything significant. Now, I'm not saying that every marriage has to go through like horrific times, right? Of like DUIs and and all of that. Like you don't have to go through all of that. But if your marriage has not really been tested by the fire, then how do you really know how strong it is? And what I've realized is that we have gone through the fire and we came out like gold. We came out stronger, better, more resilient, more determined than ever. And so I just want to encourage those of you who are maybe in that season of rebuilding right now. Maybe you're not in the ugly part anymore, but you're in that kind of rebuilding restoration phase. Keep going. It it seems like nothing's happening. It seems like progress is so slow. It seems like you're never really going to get to your destination. But if you just keep going, you will get there. And I don't even feel like Sean and I have arrived. Like we're still in process, y'all. We're still learning. We're leading a marriage conference, but we're attending a marriage conference in just a couple of weeks. So we're always learning. We're always growing. We're always trying to get better and learn more about each other and discover how we can love each other better. So just keep going. Just keep swimming. As our wonderful friend Dory tells us, right? Finding Nemo. Just keep swimming and you will get there. So thank you so much for listening today. I hope that this... Um, episode has maybe inspired you and wherever you are in your own relationship. And listen, if your relationship hasn't been through trauma, great. It doesn't have to go through trauma when I'm talking about it being tested, but you are going to inevitably go through things in your marriage and in your relationship. So um, I just want to encourage you to just keep the hope, keep the faith, keep believing. God's got you. So the show notes to this podcast can be found at realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash episode 130. And do make sure that you read the show notes. I will link to every single episode that I talked about. I'm like, so funny as we're talking, I'm like, yep, I did an episode on that, did an episode on that, did an episode on that. Um, And so if you would go to realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash episode 130, you can see all of the links to the shows that I have referenced in this episode today. Well, love you all so much. If this podcast is blessing and encouraging you in any way, could you please do us a favor and write a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify? We would love to hear from you. You can also send me a review on Instagram. People do that sometimes. I'll find messages in my DMs. So I am at Mrs. Dana Shea. That's M-R-S-D-A-N-A-C-H-E or at Real Relationship Talk. Either one of those on Instagram and let me know what this podcast means to you. Well, as I like to end every episode in saying, my friends, a good relationship is not one that works. A good relationship is one where you put in the work. Let's get to work. I'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Thank you for listening to Real Relationship Talk with Dana Shea. Find the show notes, helpful articles, and more relationship tips at realrelationshiptalk.com. Enjoying the show? Be sure to rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember to subscribe. We'll see you on the next episode.
I'm Dr. Lauren DeVille, a practicing naturopathic physician in Tucson, Arizona. In my podcast, Christian Natural Health, my guests and I discuss topics ranging from nutrition, sleep, hormone balancing, and exercise to specific health concerns like hair loss, anxiety, and hypothyroidism. I'll also interweave biblical principles as they apply throughout the podcast because true health is body, mind, and spirit. Listen to Christian Natural Health for free at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcast platform. Mm-hmm.